0: In. A the boys are back at it welcome to episode number three of the big players only podcast we got a pretty full room tonight and lots to talk about this past weekend the genesis invitational wrapping up joaquin neiman bringing home the title for chile and south and central american golf what a win for him shoot 63 63 on thursday and friday coasts a little bit on the weekend and then still almost breaks the scoring record of a tournament that's been going on for quite some time. We'll talk about the Honda Classic coming up this week in Florida as the PGA Tour begins its Eastern United States swing. And then the big players are going to go even further east because we got to talk about the Saudi Golf League. Bryson DeChambeau, Rory McIlroy, Phil Mickelson making some pretty crazy comments this week. We got to check in, see if the Saudi Golf League still has a pulse And then Colin will close out our episode talking about the golf fashion brands that all of us big players are going to be streaming this year and what we're looking out for in 2022 should be a great episode. Thanks everyone for being here. Colin, your favorite tournament of the year did not disappoint. Dubby, give us a quick recap of the Genesis Invitational this week.
1: Yeah, here we go. 2022 Genesis Invitational. We're wrapping up the West Coast swing. We're headed to Florida right after this. We saw a wire-to-wire victory from youngster Joaquin Neiman. First to go wire wire here at Riviera since Charlie Sifford in 1969. So the 23-year-old Chilean international, second win on the tour, his 19 underscore score falls one stroke short of the tournament record. Turned in an even par final round. We could have seen something much lower, but I think he kind of pulled back the throttle a little bit and just played for pars on the final day. Yeah, you really saw him like
0: laying up for par fives and stuff, playing smart, agreed.
1: Yeah, he did set both the 36 and 50-hole, 50 54-hole scoring records. I mean, you're going to do that when you start off with a pair of 63s. With Tiger watching as the host, this really was a vintage Tiger-esque kind of performance. He was playing his own golf course, his own tournament. Everybody out there was just chasing for second place. It never really felt like there was anyone that close. A couple times on the final day, he started to slip up, but kind of got it back together. But for the most part, it was Joaquin Neiman won, and everybody else just playing to try and get second. The final round, like we said, he played very conservatively. Everybody else, we, we saw some low scores Saturday and Sunday. People out there just trying to play as aggressive as possible with being so far behind. So, led to some pretty low scores. So, with this win, we see Joaquin move to 20 in the official World Golf rankings. So, pretty impressive move for the youngster there. Much like Ken's call-out of Victor Hovland last week, spending some time at the Grand Canyon to get some much-needed R&R, Joaquin recently went back home to chile spent some time with the family came back a couple weeks ago fully refreshed and we're really seeing that with his form because i mean this should not have come as a surprise he had a tied for six at the farmers tied for eighth in saudi with a strong field and then here we are with a win at riviera so pretty impressive stuff for joaquin neiman coming back from a long extended vacation to start off his season
0: hey it's that Kakuyu grass from uh from Tory Pines, he he loves it. Well, yeah. What was the
1: count on Sunday, Ken? How many Kakuyas did we get?
2: I only counted five, <laughs> but I'm sure there was at least a dozen. <laughs> I was literally keeping
1: tally, tally. <laughs> yeah, it's the old drinking game. Every time they say Kakuyu or Poa, you have to take a drink.
2: Marine layer took over for Kakuyu. <laughs> when the marine layer rolls in, they put their sweaters on. The
1: Kakuyu counter went way down.
0: It got really cold there this weekend, didn't it? Those guys yeah. were wearing multiple layers, including like a waterproof layer.
1: Yeah, there's no messing around with that marine layer when it rolls in. Chills things off quite a bit. So Joaquin edges out Cameron Young, Colin Morikawa by two shots. Uh, Shout out to Colin's comment from last week on putting and how much it matters for Morikawa. He was third in the field in putting this week. Very not like him. So easily he could have won this tournament if you take out the, the outlier of Joaquin Neiman this week. He was right in the thick of it putting very well and you know if if this continues I mean he just might go on a run with how well he putted it
0: yeah I think it's probably his tournament without Joaquin completely agree I mean he comes in 65 on the final day when scoring conditions were definitely difficult it's it's the lowest I can see in the leaderboard um you know when Colin puts well we know he uh he plays as well he also chipped in like three times on the last I saw, round, did You it? see the one where he was like in the depression around the green, kind of like an open faced, almost like he hit it off the toe purposefully, comes out like mid-flight and it just stops on a dime and, and last revolution just rolls into the cup.
1: Yeah, that chip gave me nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing how many times we saw this week, especially these guys having chip shots and the announcers talking about, you know, one in 10, they get up and down. And especially like we said on that last day, Morikawa chips in several times. So, I mean, just making the mundane just looks so easy.
0: I think it is something special to see, like on a Sunday when the pressure is high. Guys like Murakawa they only get better. You, you saw it with Tiger. You see it with all the greats.
2: I, I made one note on the first time I saw Joaquin smile was on the seventeenth. Once, once uh, he literally was stone cold serious yeah, all day, yeah. and then Murakawa on the I think fifteenth and sixteenth was like within one or two strokes of him. He was like playing. He was playing pretty tight, and then literally like broke a smile when he finally
1: knew he was he had it. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting watching his final round because it almost looked tougher to play Riviera playing for pars than trying to go out there and make birdies. I mean, it, it he put himself in some couple pretty precarious situations that he was able to get out of, but for a while there, it looked like he might stumble because he was just out there trying not to make a mistake versus just keeping the foot on the gas and just continuing his strong form.
0: And I think it's so funny because, like, I love Joaquin. I've been following him forever. And he is such a kid still. Like, he really is at the heart such a kid. And to see him so straight-faced, like, I think it says something special about how he can really get in the zone and how good his golf game is.
1: Yeah, I mean, to that point, you know, after the round, he's talking about he's ready to go out and party. So, you know, exciting to see a youngster carry through, go wire to wire, and, you know, go out and celebrate a little bit with his friends and family after the round.
0: Yeah, how about all those guys that greeted him on 18? You saw Mito Pereira, his fellow countryman, Johnny Vegas. Lots of big names. Yeah, Sergio was there, too. Sergio, yeah. there's he even a, in the tournament? There's a mentor thing with Sergio that I think a lot of people don't know much about, and it's a bit surprising, right? Even though they're both, you know, both speak Spanish. It's Spain versus Chile. It's, it's, it's unique. So we'll dig into more of that
1: later. Yeah, so rounding out the top five, we have Victor Hovland. Nice bounce back from missing the cut last yeah, week. <laughs> and then also Adam Scott. Solid performance. Uh, also some other notable finishes we have Scotty Scheffler following up a victory last week at TPC Scottsdale with a t7 yeah pretty impressive also we saw JT surprisingly putting very well struggling a little bit approach which is such an anomaly for him so it'll be interesting to see you know if that trend continues for him and then also Rory McIlroy at top 10 defending champion local boy Max home at top 10 so like we talked about the best players are going to end at the top of this leaderboard. I mean, we saw you know, Joaquin, of course, a little bit surprising of a victory, and then the rookie Cam Young. But outside of that, generally speaking, we saw the top players in the war- world play really well here and end up in the top ten.
0: What was yeah, Tully? Did you say Joaquin was like plus seven thousand going yeah,
1: he was into plus seven thousand to win the tournament? That's
0: kind of nutty. I mean, the guy's been playing great golf. Yeah, uh, and they, it was like
3: plus twelve hundred for a top ten. So someone made a lot of money there. Great odds across the board for Joaquin.
0: Hey, and then shout out to uh, Tully's uh, one of the people he suggested was one of the best tour players to never have a PGA Tour win yet again, t- notching another top thirteen finish in Cam- Cameron Chingale. So, it, it, I think it speaks Athlete. to the fact, man. He's he's a great golfer.
1: Yeah, so like we talked about, you know, this course plays tough. I know it didn't necessarily seem that way this week, but we saw a big divergence of guys who are missing their drives on the right side of the fairway or the correct side of the fairway versus guys who couldn't miss it in the right spots and really struggled. We saw a lot of those guys miss the cut. So the importance of putting your, your, yourself in the right position to approach into some of these greens was, was even more critical this week than it normally is on tour. The conditions were perfect for scoring. We saw very little wind, you know, very sunny, rainy condition or no rainy conditions. So definitely uh, definitely played pretty true to form here at Riviera.
0: Yeah, I think whenever you can watch a course where a pro is hitting their drive, you know, 340 down the middle and they're 80 yards out, and there's actually a correct side of the fairway to be on when you only have 80 yards left with as talented as these guys are. I remember seeing Rory on a hole where he just had a flip wedge in, and he had the absolute wrong angle to the green, but he was still in the fairway, and his landing spot was a three-yard circle, but if he was on the other side of the fairway,
1: he'd have the whole green to work with. Yeah, and and last note here, I'm not generally one to uh, talk about how impressive coverage is, but I saw a lot of really cool things this week from the CBS coverage. We saw some really cool drone shots. We saw them debut a new cinematic lens, like, can you imagine AK? how oh. good that is going to look when we're at Augusta National here in a couple months, boys? I mean, it's it's going to be so exciting to see some of these new things that CBS is coming out with to to bring us even closer to the game and and see some of these views for the first time.
3: I felt like I was sitting right next to Jim Nance on Sunday. It was it was a delight.
0: How old is he? Because he looks like he's like fifty five. He's like I think he's like legitimately seventy. Nice. I guess that wraps up our uh, our tournament for the week. Tyler, how did we do on our picks?
4: Yeah, not quite as impressive this week, unfortunately. Um, I really want to start things off with the big player's darling of last week, uh, Colin. After that impressive pick of Scotty Scheffler with the W at the WM Phoenix Open, following that up with a Dustin Johnson pick, missing the cut. Yeah, what are you thinking? Yeah,
5: I mean, you know, the golf gods giveth and the golf gods take taketh away. I mean, this weekend they gave us some great weather, an awesome course, an awesome field, and an awesome tournament. But they just couldn't give me, they couldn't give Dustin Johnson any success. I mean, the guy was just so flat, flat, my keyword, flat all weekend. Well, not even the weekend. He didn't even make the weekend. (laughs) Two over, just no birdies. I think he went plus two and then even. Uh, It
4: was just nothing going for him this week.
0: But to all the listeners out there that backed Colin this week, followed up, don't worry, he'll be
4: back. Oh, yeah, he'll definitely be back. Uh, when I flip things around, and then last week we were making fun of Ken with his big pick of Victor, and you know Ken ran it back at Victor plus twenty seven hundred didn't get mm-hmm. the win, but a very impressive mm-hmm. T four finish. Ken,
2: you still riding Victor next week? I don't know. I think he's taking a week off, but <laughs> what are we thinking? Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I don't think he's playing. I would, I would be. He's my guy this season. I'm, I'm, I think he's got great things on the horizon. And I'm, this is the season of Victor. So I, whenever he's in the tournament, I'm gonna be taking him.
3: What wonder of the world does he need to go see to really kind of close it out and get the PGA Tour winner? Hoover Dam. Hoover
2: Dam. That's it. Well, that's the closest to the Grand Canyon. All think. right, just I on on his way to the East Coast. coast. Is he? Did he go back to? Did he go back to Norway? Yeah. Know.
4: What's the closest to Florida? Um,
2: Everglades. Everglades. Yeah. Good game. Let's get Vic in the Everglades. Let's start the hashtag Vic to the Everglades this week. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's i love it some traction on that
4: yeah we can make that happen yeah. um then dub and myself uh, went with cam smith um had a pretty good first two rounds um really struggled in round three at the 74 kind of
1: killed his vibe um dub did you have any thoughts on how he played this past week yeah like we talked about his short game you know carried him a little bit he was just really bad off the tee and kind of led him to some really bad spots especially that that poor round three so you know not quite our week for picking him, but at least he made the cut. I mean, <laughs> more than we can say about the rest, of, or most of us. Yeah, if, if, at least
4: we made the cut's what we're looking for. I don't, I don't know if I want to ride with you on any other picks.
0: So now it remains Ben, Tully, and Tyler have not picked someone who's missed the cut from the top ten. So we'll hold,
4: we'll hold that in high regard. Yeah, remember that. Remember that. No, no winners regard. either. Hey, Ben, I want to jump to you with your Rory pick. Um really the i think the most memorable shot of the week was his shot out of the uh, bunker kind of center right there in the middle of the green that he almost drained um aside from that how how was he playing for most of the week
0: you know i think when i pick rory i wholeheartedly know that he could win or he could miss the cut by five shots it's just who rory is uh watching him this week he was hitting the ball well i remember in round two or three he had a like a six hole stretch where pretty much every shot he hit was inside 15 feet and uh I don't even think he hit a lip, so I think his putting, his reading the greens was a little bit off. Um, but a good week, he sneaks in a top ten with a good final round, but uh,
4: nothing too exciting. Yeah, and then to wrap, wrap up our favorites pick, uh, Tully, a uh, pretty good round for Xander Shaufley. Um Finished with the T thirteen. Thoughts on his uh, week? I mean, Xander pretty much did exactly what I expected from him. You know, he he's always around. He's he's kind of pretty
3: consistent every, every you know every round. It's just right there. He just has to have that one big round. You know, you saw you know Joaquin with his back to back sixty threes. Whereas you know Xander was pretty just steady throughout the week. I I look for him in the future. Just you know, he's gonna have be around in one of those you know tight tournaments and just fire a random you know sixty one and win the tournament. Yeah, I hear
4: you. Yeah, I just want to focus on uh, one of my long shot picks of the week. Um, My boy Troy Merritt, plus 13,000. Boy, would that have been amazing. Um, I actually thought I had something going for me. Round one started birdie-birdie, and I'm thinking this could be one of the tournaments where he's just hot and could actually compete. Um, Ended up round one even, had a rough start to round two. He was plus four on the front, finished with the same score. So, unfortunately, he missed the cut. Um, Colin. You had one of our other long shot picks for the week. Uh,
0: Who did Colin
5: pick? How he, do you not look at Bubba here? He's a three-time <laughs> champion at plus 4,100.
4: Oh, thanks for the recap hey, there. Ben, ben hit, hit me with that one more time. Yeah, here's what
5: Colin again. picked last week. How do you not look at Bubba here? He's a three-time champion at plus 4,100.
4: Colin, three-time champion. One-time champion on the big players only what are your thoughts anytime you get a guy
5: with that's a three-time champion plus 4100 you jump on it i mean just another off week for bubba this week the big hitters my two big hitters that i picked at least not looking great but um we'll bounce back no problem
4: i believe it I, we'll, we'll all bounce back this this next week uh, i think that wraps up our uh picks from the previous week and we'll talk more about this current week here upcoming yeah. in a few minutes honda coming up talk to you soon
0: All right, we are on the week of the Honda Classic at uh, PGA National in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. That's where it's been for the last 15 years. We're starting the PGA Tours East Coast Swing. PGA National is a pretty well-renowned course. Uh, It opened up in in 1981 and then shortly after, interestingly enough, hosted the 1983 Ryder Cup. Which doesn't sound that exciting, but you know, through research, it's kind of the turning tide for giving the Europeans more of a chance in the Ryder Cup. Before this, uh, Europe had only won three of 24 Ryder Cups, um, but leaving this venue where they lost by a very narrow margin, uh, they've won 11 of the past 18. So, Who won um, the last one, though? USA, baby. USA! USA! I'm not so sure that Europe has, uh, they don't quite have the youngsters to keep up uh, over the next decade or so. Agreed. it's going to be, it's gonna be a, a lot of winning for the USA. Uh, so the, 18, the 1983 uh, Ryder Cup, uh, Europe only lost by one point, and it was uh, due to a clutch up and down from 80 yards uh, for Lanny Watkins, a uh, Golf Hall of Famer. Uh, Tom Watson also sealed the deal with uh, his partner, or his opponent missing a three-foot putt on the 17th to give the U.S. a full point, so uh, that match could have easily gone uh, the other way. Uh, So this week, our past winners last year, Matt Jones won the tournament. He shot a nine under 61 to start the tournament and then played three under golf for the next three rounds and ended up winning by five shots. Uh, So it's a course that when you're on, you can go low, Um, but it doesn't give up a ton of birdies. It has uh, the bear trap or three of the 50 hardest holes on the PGA tour. And then I believe the sixth hole is also one of the 50 hardest, hardest holes. So it's got quite, quite some teeth. Um, Sung J.M. Won it in 2020 keith mitchell in 2019 and then justin thomas in 2018 some other notable winners are ricky fowler adam scott rory and cooch so uh i think like last week we got another tough test of a course uh the best players certainly rise to the top matt jones might not be a big name but we saw in hawaii earlier this year that the guy can get crazy hot i mean he shot in the 30s 30 32 under and then ended up losing to Cam smith so looking forward to a good week any thoughts on the course any thoughts on the tournament guys
1: yeah, this is definitely an interesting tournament because it, it generally lends itself to seeing a lot of long shots do well here. So a lot of guys who don't come in with much you know, prowess on tour are going to leave here with, with a victory. So it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully we see another long shot, somebody out of nowhere, come through with a victory here this week at the Honda. Yeah, I'm really excited to see that East Coast swing start. I mean, obviously... You get it, you know, the masters coming up,
3: but really you start to see the style of courses that we on the East Coast see more often and get a chance to play, so it feels a little more relatable. So I, I always enjoy that East Coast swing.
1: Yeah, I think we're done seeing the Kikuyu grass on tour here for a little while. So probably probably no more of that. But that's two Kikuya references for those counting.
0: <laughs> also a big fan of uh PGA tour events finishing a little earlier. Now they're not three hours behind.
4: So appreciate that.
0: Nice. Okay, so let's let's run into our, our picks for this week. Let's look at the odds. Not not like a crazy competitive field, but some big names.
4: Yes, we're going to look at the favorites again. Uh, we're going to look at the top 10 players in the field. Uh, these odds are as of Monday, the 21st. Um, just to run through your top 10 players, um, opening up as the favorite at plus 1400 meaning if you bet $100, you would win $1,400. Um, that's Sungjae M. Uh, followed by two guys at $1,600. Uh, that's Daniel Berger and Joaquin Neiman, uh, last week's winner. Followed by neiman we have three players at plus 2000 we have brooks kepka louis ustazen and tommy fleetwood followed by tommy you've got two players at plus 2200 we've got my boy shane lowry and also billy horschel uh, followed by matt jones at plus 2900 and alex norin at plus 3100 so, looking at the boys' picks for this week, uh, those going with the highest on the board, we're going to start with Ken picking Daniel Berger uh, again at plus sixteen hundred. That's one hundred dollars to win
2: sixteen hundred dollars. So, Ken, walk us through the Berger pick. I just pick him because I liked him. Um, but I, I was looking for his uh, what categories he was best in on the tour. He's first in sand saves. That's got to be good. a good lot of sand, sand down there in Florida, right? Plenty. Uh, so. I love that stat, by
0: the way. Like, yeah. I'm gonna pick a guy based on kind of a minor statistic. Yeah. If you get this right, you're a
4: literal genius.
3: Yeah, and well, <laughs> the thing about this course <laughs> is it's, it's got like hundred <laughs> different sand traps, so it's, yeah, it actually it's a good stat, Ken. Even though hey, you didn't know, do we
4: have any traps in the middle of the green this week? Any Rory opportunities? I don't nope. think so. I think that's pretty unique to Rivera. Yeah. Oh, he's also a third. He's also
2: third in Eagles, which got to be good. Oh, be he's good. a great. He's I mean, a great wood player. Third
3: in Eagles, you got
0: to be good. So. He's got like this cut across like scy- scything action. So his <laughs> his three woods from the fairway, like they they spin and they sit. He's I mean, I agree. And he's a cool guy. <clears throat> he is. He's, a, he's like he's one like, of the hardest workers like on the PGA us. Tour too. I think yeah. that's pretty underrated. But Loveberger. the guy doesn't have the prettiest swing, but he's literally the definition of a grinder. Lock also, you said here second in, in driving accuracy. Mm-hmm. It's pretty important. Three big things. Yeah, and I think
1: Berger's (laughs) definitely been struggling lately with the – I think he's nursing a little bit of an injury, but I think he's getting healthy now. Mm -hmm. So we're definitely going to see him start playing some better golf here. So pretty good pick here by Ken. (laughs) All right, next on our list, uh, we've got Ben. Um, I believe Drake said it first
4: that we're going We're going
0: back to back. back. Joaquin Neiman. Hey, so like a week ago, I might have been dreaming. I might have been awake. I don't know, but I had this vision – where drunk? I saw, Were you drunk? No, I was. I was awake, sober, eh, probably. So <laughs> I had this vision where I, I just envisioned like three wait, years wait, ago. Go, you awake, awakening vision. It was a, it was awakened <laughs> visioning. I wasn't dreaming. Okay. A couple years ago, JT won a couple of events back to back early in the year, and I was just like, no one does that. No, well, it's gonna happen again because Joaquin's about to be a back to back winner. Um, in my vision, I kind of thought that it was. It was like Scotty Scheffler, because I thought maybe he'd win back to back. How do you say that with a straight face? Because <laughs> it's, it's true. Well, watch it happen. So then, so then I realized, like, as I've reflected on that vision, that it's really Joaquin. So Joaquin's going to win back to back. This is a perfect golf course for him. It's decently long. He's hitting the piss out of the ball, and he's a great iron player.
4: All right, back-to-back. Back. Let's see it. We're going back-to-back. We'll, back. Back. we'll cut that
1: part. We'll cut that. <laughs> All
4: right, we're going to jump to Dub now. Dub going with the Brooks Kepka at plus 2,000. Dub, walk us through it.
1: Yeah, taking the uh, probably favorite here as far as uh, major tournament winners go. Brooks Kepka coming back east, coming back to Florida home on the Bermuda greens as I say that I realize I'm quickly becoming the grass guy of the podcast I think that's all I talk about <laughs> well he just got a lawn so you're really excited about yeah. it so maybe something there but yeah he's definitely more comfortable putting on these greens he's been really up and down recently but his bogey avoidance you know on this tougher course is going to lend well to to being able to compete here so I'm hopeful to see a, a solid performance and in rounding into form a little bit here
0: FSU grad as well right so hometown mm. burger too. Hey, but we're talking about Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> grass. All right, thanks Grass guy.
4: <laughs> All right, next we're going to go with myself. Um I went with Louis Eustace in a plus 2000. Uh one of the things I was really surprised about with Louie is he really, has only won once on tour. Uh, granted, he's also won 13 times internationally, so the guy knows how to win. Um, kind of looking at the rest of the favorites for this week, it's not as impressive as a bunch as last week, so you always see Louie um, at the top when he's playing in these types of tournaments, so I would not be surprised at all if he gets win number two.
0: Yeah, only one win on the PGA Tour. That's a pretty uh, encouraging stat to pick him this week, I agree.
4: I,
5: I thought the same thing, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you also said he knows how to win, but doesn't really look like it. Um,
4: you, you missed the part where I said he has 13 <laughs> international wins. So I believe that would be 14 wins if my math checks. Um, some one of our fans emailed Colin with that one, so we can see what those results are.
0: Shout out Coheed. <laughs> <laughs>
3: All
4: right, enough of Louie. Let's uh, jump into Tully's pick with Tommy Fleetwood, also at plus two thousand. Tully, what do we got? Yeah, you know I mentioned him last week. You know I was really surprised at the fact that he hasn't actually won on the PGA Tour.
3: So and uh, I was pretty excited that he's. Last two tournaments he's played, tied 8 and tied 12th over on the Asian-European tours and Saudi, and I don't remember what the European Well, apparently those was.
4: don't count. You can only win on the tour for it to really be a good result. Yeah, but he
3: was playing really well, though, you okay, know? Okay, okay. Uh, but, you know, he's also played well in this tournament in the past, uh, and he played two out of the last four years, finishing third in 2020 and fourth in 2018. So, plus 310, top 10, if you want to go with that instead. Um, but he's also been hitting a lot of greens in those Euro Tour, uh, 73% of greens, and a tournament that, you know, you really... Looking at the past, you know a lot of it's you know single digit winners, uh, maybe low double digits. So he's going to have the opportunities to to get some score in there. So I think he's going to you know get off that list, get that first PGA Tour win.
0: Yeah, I think um, most of these guys we're picking, and then as you think about the bear trap, this course is pretty long. It's a lot of good iron players. Um, you're going to have a lot of buck fifty to or hundred fifty yards, one hundred eighty yards into green. So being able to make birdie from there i think is is usually the characteristic
4: of the winner here it sounds like you're talking just about louis right now so uh, i mean, louis
0: is a good it. iron player but he does only have one pj tour win moving on <laughs> <laughs>
4: Hey we're gonna we're gonna round out the favorites pick this week um, with Colin going with Billy Horschel at plus twenty two hundred. I'm not sure what you're going with this week, Colin. Uh, I don't know if you're picking further down the uh, leaderboard just to kind of make up for last week's miscut with DJ trying to go down kind of find the winner and just say, see guys, I know what I'm talking about. I can find this guy further down the list. Wait,
0: these are the same odds that Scotty had. Oh,
5: uh, yes. well, <laughs> for those listening, clearly the theme here is, uh, these Florida boys, they keep coming up. I mean, and when you talk about Florida boys, no one does the gator chomp like Billy Ho here. <laughs> he has no finish worse than T36 this year. Uh, I think he was tied second at concession last year, which is very similar style, probably harder course than PGA National Yeah, this I think week. so. He is tied for second in par three scoring average this year, which I think is going to be clutch, especially when he comes around that bear trap. There's two par threes in that three-hole span that they call the bear trap. I mean, We got great value here at plus twenty two hundred. I mean,
2: I
0: don't. I'm not going to say it, but do you not look at Billy this
5: (laughs) week? Come on,
0: if you've been tailing Colin, I think he's got a he's got a good one here. We talk about good iron players. You talk. I mean, I think like Billy is in the same conversation with like Justin Thomas. They have those beautiful two plane swings that can work the ball left and right. I like to pick.
1: I think it's safe to say with Colin's recent performance here, Billy's either going to win or he's going to miss the cut. There's no in between right now with Colin. So we got to
2: take one of those. We might have found some of our first merch. That's what Colin's tagline was. Gator Chomp.
1: No one's drinking Gator (laughs) Chomp like Billy. No, I thought
2: it was going to be Billy Ho. It's either going to be Gator Chomp or Big Wood Guy. No, how can you not not look at Billy? (laughs)
0: How can you
2: not look at at Billy? How can you not look at blank underline name
0: here? Billy, also Billy Madison, was that taped in Florida as well? I don't know. Ch- what Chubb's Oof, got Oof. his hand been off by a gator. I just assume it was in it's Florida. It's got to be Florida. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Billy, Billy, you Happy never know. Happy Gilmore, not Billy Madison. He did win the <laughs> tour championship, okay?
4: Yeah, for those listening, we were actually talking about Happy Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that wraps up the favorites for this week. Ben um, still looks confused. I'm still trying to figure out what I was thinking. What
0: is – oh, Billy Madison. That's where I was going with that. Never mind. Billy, Billy? Billy, <laughs>
4: Billy.
0: All right, moving
4: past Billy Billy, we're going to go to uh, a couple of our long shot picks of the week. Um, I'm going to start us off here um, doing a little bit different this week. Instead of picking a winner, I'm looking at somebody who's going to be finishing in our top ten, and I'm going to go with both Ben and Dub's boy, Garrick Higgo, the South African lefty. Um, shout out, Dub, with that beautiful left-handed swing of yours. I think it's Higgo might have the second best left-handed swing I've seen um Behind yours definitely but w- one of the things I like about Higo is young guy he's been playing well um really coming up last week finished with a tie for 21st uh, wouldn't be surprised with kind of a little bit of a less strong field uh, I think Garrett can take that next step and get into a top 10 here at plus 700. Uh, I think where was his win
0: last year it was somewhere in the, the southeast
4: uh, Congaree down
1: yeah, in, yeah. Uh, South so Carolina
0: kind of a lot of water kind of soft marshy I like that I like we're going with that tip.
1: Yeah, so my uh, long shot this week, Johnny Vegas, plus 4,100 outright, or maybe I'll take him a top 10, which is plus 500. He's really playing well. He's third in the field this week with shots gained, tee to green, and he's also turned in a couple solid off-the-tee and approach performances, so I really like the way his game is trending. And if the putter gets a little hot, I think he can make some noise here this week at the Honda. All right, and then – Tully here with my uh, long shot here. I love C.T. Pan. Uh, he's plus
3: 5,500 to win it all or plus 700 top 10, which is what I'm probably going to look to take. I mean, he tied for third here last year, uh, ninth solo at Riviera last week. You know, as Ken mentioned, there's a lot a lot of sand, a lot of beaches down there in Florida, and he's top 20 in uh, sand saves Uh, this year on tour i also found a cool stat that was pointing out how uh, in the last like four or five winners here you know they've had a top 10 on the west coast swing as well as been in the top 44 for um sand saves. so he's fitting in that category and i think he's got a a good chance at least finish top 10
2: Hey, can another sand save reference just looking at garrick Higo's instagram just got engaged recently yeah congrats higo Guy looks like he's about 18 was it at the grand canyon it was at uh some sort of beach so probably not so probably in Florida. I don't know. Seems like he's very happy.
0: And if I could just mention, building on my deep statistics, uh, things that I've been talking about, like Billy Billy, C.T. Pan, he is Asian. Honda is an Asian car maker. Something to look out for. Cut that. You, you don't get that research <laughs> Hey, if Ken can see Vic going to the Grand Canyon, then I
4: can certainly make that comment. Oh, God. It's his show. <laughs> the comments of the pod do not reflect all members of the pod. <laughs> All right, I think that wraps
0: up our uh, our commentary and picks for the Honda Classic coming up this week in Palm Beach, Florida. We'll talk about the Saudi League coming up here. All right, there's been a lot of chatter about this Saudi Golf Super League. Uh, first of all, let's introduce it for any of our listeners who don't know what it is. So, um, as we know, Saudi Arabia kind of struggles with some of their human rights aspects, uh, well, they're trying to get into golf and a lot of people are, are pretty upset about it. They, they, they refer to a term called sports washing, where they try to throw money at sports and change their public image. Um, well golf's next on, on that list for them. Uh, their, their public fund has proposed an initial $300 million investment, uh, into a company. Uh, called LIV Investments, which will be run by Greg Norman. Uh, he's back again. He did it. He tried something like this in the 1990s. It didn't succeed. Um, they're going to try to form a new league under the Asian Tour, which is like an affiliate tour for the DP World and uh, PGA. Um, they really want this league to concentrate on like different scoring formats and tournament formats, uh, different uh, uh, team events versus single events. Um, a lot of people are, are touting this thing as, as a money grab. People that go and join it are, are just getting money thrown at them from these people. Um, we heard Bryson DeChambeau, who has since uh, said he doesn't want to join the league, uh, was offered something like north of $200 million to join this thing. Uh, Phil Mickelson came out saying that uh, other, other comments, but he initially said that pretty much every player in the top 100 was contacted. Um, a lot of things have happened in the past week. Phil publicly denounced the PGA Tour, saying that they were thieves and crooks and corrupt and he wouldn't be opposed to a league like this. Uh, then you had Bryson publicly saying, I want to play where the best players play. So as long as that's the PGA Tour, I'm going to stay there. You had people like Rory, and Phil, a lot of people kind of decommitting or saying, decommitting from the Saudi League, saying they're going to stay with the PGA. What do we think, guys?
1: Yeah, so I think we have a couple things here. I mean, where to start? I think it's really interesting some of the guys who came out recently and pledged their allegiance to the PGA Tour. I'm looking at DJ, Bryson, a couple, just to name a few off the top of my head. Clearly, they were very interested in this league and were interested in the money being thrown at them. And then when Phil came out and botched this whole situation for both the the Saudi league and himself, I think they realized this was not going to work with Phil Mickelson being the face of all the negotiations and formatting and everything. And so they, they came out and denounced their, I guess, allegiance to the Saudi League and fully committed to the PGA Tour, so they're sticking around a while. So, you know, really interesting to see what some of the top players did. I, th- I think it's pretty obvious if I'm looking at it. Some of the guys who didn't comment on it for a while and are now kind of backtracking – and saying, "Oh, I've always been committed to the tour," so it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the tour treats some of these guys going forward.
2: The the Phil comment I think was important because he basically was trying to use it as a way to get leverage over the PGA Tour, right? It's like a less he like kind of saw it as like a lesser of two evils in a way, and it it, it was very confusing when I was reading the coverage on it because it was like he was basically anti both leagues in some ways, right? It, it, he dug himself in a hole, and I don't really know. Um, it, it's really an optics thing, right? Like it seems like a lot of guys were going to do this. And then they just kind of, it just looked bad and they just backed out, right? Is that pretty much what happened?
4: Yeah, I think so. But one of the things that really interests me looking at Phil is what this whole thing is going to do with the relationship between some of the top players, yeah. um, circling back to what we were saying about how some of Rory's comments, where he's calling Phil egotistical and then really emphasizing the ignorant factor, um, just coming yeah. out with some of the things that he stated is like, what's this going to do when they're teed up in a final group here. Some rivalries, uh, Maybe at Augusta or something like that. Could you imagine uh, what the commentators are going to run with that? Uh, I'd be just very interested. You see kind of a united front with the majority of these major players, uh, but just seeing a guy like Phil come out saying these things, I'm really interested to see what this does with those relationships. But I guess, like,
2: it it brought something, uh, and maybe someone else knows more about this than me, but it brought something to, like, to the light of, like, is competition for the PGA, like, ultimately a good thing, right? You have other tours. You have the European tour. Corn Ferry obviously is lower, but, like, is it a good thing if maybe not the Saudi league, but if there's another league like this that kind of arises um, without the with like funding that maybe ha- is a little less problematic, potentially? Just kind of circling back to Phil before we jump away there. I mean,
3: I think he's <laughs> like, I'm not listening to your fucking call. <laughs> I had something to <laughs> say. All right. <laughs> okay. But I mean, 100 percent Phil put his mouth in, you know, foot in his mouth when he was talking about all this. You know, he he didn't choose his words. Great. Um, but I think, you know, he's he talked a lot about how he was, oh, I, you know, it's an opportunity for them to basically like change to the PGA Tour and for the better. And Rory's calling him out saying the whole, like, greed thing and that he's just kind of selfish looking for money, very egotistical. I like to, you know, you know, look at good guy Phil. You know, he's maybe looking out for, you know, those players that are outside of that top 100 that aren't making a lot of money, maybe looking for the PGA Tour to spread the wealth a little bit. You know, he's, you know, quoted thinking they have, you know, Twenty billion dollars in, um, you know, income from just the you know the CBS you know rights and all that kind of stuff. That you know, there's a lot of guys that are struggling to make it from you know tournament to tournament. You know, help them out, you know, give them an opportunity to. You know, why does, why does the PGA Tour not pay for the players to travel or something like that?
1: Yeah, I. I I have to disagree. I think Phil's comments come off as extremely tone deaf. I mean, the guys made $25 million on the tour just in earnings, let alone we're not counting endorsements or anything like that. And so for him to come out and say the tour is full of obnoxious greed is kind of crazy because the tour has been quoted several times as they do share the wealth. I mean, I think a big critique of the tour is they don't pay their – the people who draw the eyeballs as much as the other guys who are just long shots winning on tour and so i think phil's trying to get a bigger piece of the pie because he thinks he's the one drawing in all the viewers and all the fans which of course he is and and maybe that is a valid critique of the of the tour but for him to come out and say they're full of obnoxious greed when they're you know quoted as spending enormous amounts of money on charity and you know building this corn fairy tour and you know where where does he want this money to go what what does he want to take away from it's not like the pga tour employees are making all kinds of money and living this lavish lifestyle so i i don't quite understand where he thinks this money is going to come from that he thinks he should get
3: but that's my point i don't i don't think necessarily he's trying to get it perhaps he's looking out for you know when you know people are coming up that they don't have any they don't have the sponsors they don't have that absorbent amount of income that they're getting from all these other places to afford the travel to afford you know to pay for the caddies to go everywhere you know it yes we know phil he likes to gamble he's a little risky guy maybe this whole thing was a big bluff you know we don't fucking know but i i'd like to think that he he had he had good intentions deep down in his heart tully i get i get the understand the whole thing about looking out for the little guy but part of the
5: intrigue of the pga tour is it's i mean golf is an individual sport if you want that money you got to play well and you have to win. I mean, or else you're going to be back down on the corn Ferry Tour. And that's why I, I love watching the PGA Tour so much. It's so competitive. It's so individual. I mean, if you want if you want to make more money, then you got to be playing well. But yeah. my point isn't that,
3: you know, they, they shouldn't be playing well. They don't have to grind. My point is, like, are they being stopped from getting their chance to play well and continue to play well because they can't afford to fly themselves across the country to play in these events? I mean, how much do they how much do they earn for making the cut every week? But what if they don't make the cut? They what if they don't make the cut the week before so they therefore cannot travel that that following week? Okay, but they're not making the cut because they don't have enough money out of Yeah, I
0: think you that. want you want to look out for the little guy. I appreciate that. I think that Tyler's going to talk about like, you know, other tours and, and how this plays into like the Corn Ferry and the feeder tours, but I think like when it comes to like where the money's being lost, it's very hard to tell cuz it's a private company, but I think that there's it's pretty evident that there is some there are some executives within the PGA Tour that are that are. It just seems like there's money being lost somewhere. So they're just. I think it's ultimately just asking for some accountability. I'll just say one comment and then I'll pass it off the tip. Um, uh, we recently lost a really, really talented golf writer. Uh, darn, I can't remember his name, but he talked about coming up in, in Florida and some of the 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 lower end papers and and one time all the employees were like on strike and and they were like we want better pay, but they weren't a union, so they were threatening to become a union. So they get the pay they want. And one guy comes up to him and he says, we don't really want a union. We just want to scare them enough to think that we're going to have a union so they pay us better. I think that's kind of what Phil was trying to achieve.
4: Um, but his word choice uh, was probably a little little off, off base. Not great. Not great, Bob. Are you talking about Tim Rosefort?
0: Yeah, Timmy. Yeah,
4: Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to go back to what Ken was saying with uh, starting up another tour just for competition. Um, it immediately makes me think about going outside of golf when you were looking at the NFL and the XFL relationship. Oh, did, yeah, exactly. Um, just kind of what you're seeing is the, just the quality of play is so much weaker when you're comparing those two. Um, if we start seeing a couple guys go to this Saudi tour, or whatever it may be, um, you're already struggling, even in the PGA Tour, when you're looking outside the top 60 guys in the tournament – it, no one already cares about who's at the bottom unless you're looking at some of these up-and-comer guys. If we're starting to spread the wealth amongst all these other leagues, I think we're going to be looking at just the quality of play just decreases. You've got a couple studs in each in each of these golf leagues, and is that really what you want? You want to see the best of the best competing. And when you see things like the XFL that are folding after a year, I think that's exactly what this solid thing would turn into unless you're getting... 20 to 30 stud players which maybe they are but is that really what the game of golf needs that
2: that popped in my head and the other one real quick was the um that like super soccer league that was trying to be started this year like with real madrid and like a lot of those teams like agreed to do it and the only reason they backed out was the optics of it was public backlash and i'm pretty sure that's what's happening with the saudi league too a lot of people are gonna maybe think about doing it and then i you know some people kind of Get on their high horse a little bit once they realize the optics is going to be bad, and they're like, "I, I was never going to do it anyway. It was just a good idea." So, I don't know. It's a, it's
1: like a it seems like a phenomenon that's happening more and more now across sport. Yeah, I mean, coming back to golf a little bit, I think this creates a tremendous opportunity for the LPGA to capitalize on some of the the volatility of this tour and who's going where i mean if it's not the saudi league it's going to be someone else coming in with tremendous amounts of money the lpga's got a unique opportunity here to draw a lot of fan base from the pga tour so i I'd, I'd love for see i'd love to see them take some risks try some different formats of events uh, th- their big pitching point to big sponsors is saying you don't know who's going to be playing on the pga tour in a year or two so why don't you invest your money in us we're a global brand we have stars from all over the world we have a, a lot of up-and-coming american stars too to to keep it home here in the united states and so i'd love for see i'd love to see them capitalize on this opportunity that they have here to to draw some market share away from the pga tour i love the point you
3: make there about like different formats you know like the 72 hole format it, it's great it, it's it's really entertaining but at the same time there are those tournaments that you, you miss those top 20 players those top 50 players that they're you know they're resting they're preparing for a different tournament that they they're more keen on i think it'd be really interesting to start to see you know some of those alleged you know proposals from the side you know those team formats things like that just to mix it up a little bit and that that may attract still some of those bigger players to try something new. maybe they they get to make their own team you know you can you see tiger you know with jt and ricky just because you know they they are all noted to be friends they can be like a threesome that is competing against you know whatever other group in some sort of you know I don't know if you'd want to really see a scramble, but just something fun and different that – you know, to kind of fill in some of these lesser known tournaments that are don't draw the same attention.
4: Yeah, let's see some formats like what we do when we go on our triple. We've got Ben, who's our stud golfer, paired up with Ken versus, like, the midland guys yeah, like Colin yeah. with his uh, 13 handicap and me with my 14 trying to go up
2: and compete against <laughs> them. It's like, why can't we get some more formats like that that really draw in some viewership? It's because everyone's obsessed with the record books. You got to have, you know, if like you do that, then all the records go out the window. But yeah, I like, you
0: keep your majors, you keep your big events, but you, yeah, I like mixing it up a bit's good. Yeah. Dub, I love your comments about the LPGA Tour. I know, like the ironically enough, we mentioned that the company that Greg Norman is supposed to run is called L.E.T. Investments, but I think that the Ladies European Tour is also considered L.E.T. It's kind of ironic. Uh, but I know that they do some team formats, and we don't get great TV coverage over here of that kind of stuff. Um, but if you're into golf and you're in Europe, it's something really nice to follow along with. And then I just have one last point to make about where the money goes and the accountability I think that I don't necessarily think of the Saudi league competing with the PGA tour. um, But I think that this is a call uh, to it's, it's really a realization where the PGA tour needs to be providing more money to these lower end tours. Like if they, they, I think they do have a lot of money that's being lost somewhere um, but when someone wins a, a Sunshine Tour or an, uh, oh, it's the Corn Fairy Tour, they're only making like, and I know this sounds like, I'm not trying to be tone deaf here, but like $100,000 is a lot of money, but it's very rare to win. So we got up-and-coming stars. We want to provide them with something that's at least, it's like minor league baseball, right? Like it's just impossible to afford a living being a minor league player. So uh, my call is to the PGA Tour to, to make these other tours, like something someone could have a career in.
3: That's a great point, Ben. I mean, just in terms of those lower tours, I saw someone on the APGA that you know got like their like twenty third win on, or something like that, and their check was like five thousand. Is this $1. Willie? Yeah, as well. Shout Willie Matt. Yeah, 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 you got a five thousand dollar check. I mean, that's, that's great. Five I would love five grand. That'd be awesome. I know, but, but that's for great. someone that's you know that golf is literally how they're making all their money. That guy
0: lives in in Detroit and then was in Florida for that tournament, so you can't imagine he's probably thousand bucks for his round trip ticket. He's got to pay for his clubs and all that stuff himself. It's a pretty it's a pretty major tournament. Like it's got some really good talent in the field. It makes 5 grand. Like it's just not enough. We yeah. got to make it feasible to make a living on the on the smaller tours for golf. What do you think Kooter's paying
2: his caddy if he's winning 5 grand?
0: <laughs> a bag of peanuts?
2: <laughs> Maybe a beer if he wins. <laughs> can I make one more point here? I yeah, yeah, I yeah. Do it. I think there's two it's there fundamentally two different questions though. There's how to the lower tours, the minor leagues corn ferry like under the PGA control as feeders and then there's like larger competing leagues like the european tour or whatever the saudi or you know whatever the equivalent is to that i think there's two different conversations that like what's the value of either like obviously there's value in the corn fairy or other tours to build people up or build new guys up but i do think there is value to like something to compete with the pga um obviously there's asian tours european tours but like i'm not saying that the saudi tour should happen but i think there's certainly an argument for competition to make the pga look at itself and be more fair and be better to its players and stuff like that i'm not saying they're not but I, I do think there's an argument to be made
1: yeah i just think uh if i'm gonna label the pga tour with one word it's complacency i think they've been doing right. really That's well but they're, say, they're failing to adapt to the the world we're living in they're not really making updates to their tournament formats they have a very overwhelming schedule they have 72 holes stroke play, play events every single week there's nothing new there's nothing different like i I'd, I'd love to see them start trying to change and adapt to the current times to try and draw some more fans who aren't avid golfers and so you know i'd love to see them start taking some risks and and switch it up even just a little bit whether it's you know the coverage provided for the golf tournament or the format in general i'd i'd like to see them kind of respond to this threat by making some changes that the fans are going to appreciate ultimately
3: and clearly the fans are looking for you know that something different you look at the the waste management and It gets a whole crowd that not necessarily is super into golf, but, like, wants to be there for the environment and the excitement. And if they can play on that even just occasionally every, you know,
4: couple months or whatever it is, that can't hurt. Yeah, I think this could be a cool topic to maybe discuss further um, in a future episode, but, like, we're talking about what Dub was saying with make, doing some things to kind of liven up the round, It's, like, just immediately what popped in my head is, like, let's get a shot clock on these guys. It's, like, you lose my attention when I'm watching a guy read a putt for a minute and a half. It's, like, make something exciting. Make them get up there, read it quickly. Just add a little flavor to it where you've got – guys our age that are just going to grab their phone and start scrolling through instagram while this guy's trying to read a putt and it's like make it engaging make it make it so someone's keeping their eyes glued to the tv
0: wholeheartedly agree and if the pga tour needs to make some more money to help pay for some of this stuff to compete with the saudi league making some more entertaining formats i think would do that all right i think that wraps up our saudi segment let's head on to, to the fashion segment here colin let's uh let's see what everyone's wearing this year You know, big player fashion is often referred to as one of the highest fashions in the world. I mean, look at us, right? Look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. What are the, some of the brands we're streaming this year, Colin?
5: Yeah, so Ben, through this podcast, I, mean, I know we want to highlight some of the elements of the golfer's lifestyle, that they don't necessarily receive a ton of coverage or focus throughout the typical media outlet. So... I mean, I know as a mediocre weekend golfer myself, dressing with swagger and making a statement on the course without even having to swing a club, that's part of what makes the game fun Look for
0: good, play good.
5: That's right. And I mean, we feel as though fashion and golf fashion in particular, that's another avenue for, I know it's an overused statement, but growing the game of golf and it's component of golf that can pique the interest of even our non-golfing listeners. So to that end, um, I think we're going to start up a little recurring segment here focusing on golf apparel, trends, releases, opinions, and, and recognizing some of our favorite looks on tour. So um, just to kick this segment off here, I, I wanted to kind of open the floor to the guys to paint a picture of what we like to wear out on the, on the local munis. So um, I'll kick it off. Um, for a couple of years now, uh, I've been wearing this company called Bad Birdie. They have some sick patterns on the, on the shirts. Uh, I say this all the time, but they're so complicated. <laughs> I heard they've partnered with Dan Flashes. Dan Flashes. Just, they're just borderline Dan Flashes Have
0: you been spending there. all of your per diem on those shirts, Colin? <laughs>
5: Uh, but yeah the patterns are great they got a comfortable slim fit so yeah i, I love bad birdie shirts yeah so that that's I, why i had to rule them out though
3: that comfortable slim <laughs> slim eyes. fit sorry, sorry. I, need, I need more of that. athletic husky is what they're I'm also
0: thinking. uh in the pga tour oh, superstores Store. now that's pretty lit are
3: they Not, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good i'm, I'm glad they're growing the brand
0: one.
5: yeah i have about four of those shirts so I, I like to rotate them through my repertoire um i love wa- wearing the flat brim hat so uh i typically i have like three malbon hats um I just I like the fact that Malbon's kind of bringing that classic style back for the modern golfer. Um, yeah, you'll you'll see me wearing a Malbon hat probably out on the course every day. I'm what bad. are you wearing right now, Colin? Shout bad. out Malbon, Stephen Malbon, we love you, bro. Love Malbon, Roll King. That's the hat I have on right now. Um, my latest purchase, I just bought a Trenton Golf Apparel shirt. I I don't know, I've never heard of them before, but uh, I got a little elephant print shirt going on. So uh, you. You'll get a, a review pending coming this upcoming Yeah, that
0: off-season. thing's sick. You sent it to me. It's They're pretty inexpensive, too. Yeah, like they, 40 bucks, $50? Yeah, 50 they're, bucks. Not bad.
5: they're not bad. And I have a pair of uh, seafoam sea green, for those of you out there who aren't the fashion, seafoam green shorts that I've been trying to pair up with a nice shirt. So. Oh, that'll look
3: good, baby. Who Hell, bought yeah. you those shorts? I, I bought those shorts. Oh, I thought actually. those were the ones your mom bought. <laughs> no, <laughs> your mom had that big
0: old Ross Hall, brother. <laughs> <laughs> She'd come out with like 20 shirts and four pairs of shorts.
5: Shout out, mom. Thanks Shout for Shout out, shorts. mom. Love them, and then just the shoe game. Uh, let's see. I love that Jordan is kind of bringing it into the golf game here. So I have a pair of Jordans. Uh, ben hooked me up with a pair of Highlighter Nike Infinity Tours, and I have a pair of Air Maxes as well. But I'm strictly Nike when it comes to the shoe game. Um, part of the section I would love, or this segment, I'd love to kind of keep people up to date on the uh, upcoming releases of shoes. Nike's always coming out with things. Jordan, Adidas has had some uh, some pretty recent uh, releases so yeah we just want to keep you updated updated on the golf apparel
0: and no i think the to golf shoes they can be comfortable and like not hideous yeah and that's like Colin's shoe game is just so fire um we're, we got a lot of them coming out like you talked about that new adidas stuff eh but man like you can't like jordan's like when they come out if you can cop them like not that expensive compared to like your FootJoy. and man like FootJoy make a couple decent ones but man they're kind of boring
3: yeah, and it takes a confident man to, to rock some of the stuff Colin does, so props to him. I mean, like, like I said, crazy patterns. You know, the Jordans, I couldn't pull those off, so props to you, man. Appreciate and, that, Tully. And the
0: joggers, honestly, that's my favorite. You'll see
3: Joaquin Neiman, who just
0: won the tournament last week, sporting joggers, I think his third and fourth rounds. That's Colin right there, baby.
5: Well, you talk about joggers, and I think uh, our boy Eric Van Royen has oh, really yeah. made that popular on tour. And speaking of Eric Van Royen, Ben, uh, I know you, he's a Grayson guy. You're becoming a Grayson guy, so can you just give us a – paint us a picture of what you like to wear out there on the course. I know Grayson, Bonobos, Malbon, they're your kind of staples, but let's hear about it.
0: Yeah, dude. I think uh, Grayson, I think like you, I like their patterns. They're crazy complex. <laughs> and they're also just a really comfortable shirt. I like the extra buttons. So when I want to let it breathe, I can let it breathe. Sorry to all the car girls. I'm taking. <laughs> you didn't mention slim fit. <laughs> they, they they are slim, but, you know, Dang. they also make slim a 2X. Team. So <laughs> it's a slim 2X, but it fits.
1: Yeah, we were walking around the cradle at Pinehurst last summer couldn't find a Grayson in my size, so I had to settle for the Schmedium. So it doesn't quite <laughs> fit well, but hey, it's well, Grayson. It looks awesome, that, so I'm gonna that, have to wear the Wolf it. logo is pretty yeah. sick. Yeah, it's like a Where's
3: Waldo on your shirt.
0: Yeah. So then, other than Grayson, yeah, I'll rock some Bonobos. They got some right, some fresh, clean shirts. Um, pretty comfortable brand. I think you saw Cam Smith. Uh, some of the some of the Australian golfers rocking them. Justin Rose, a big golfer, rocking them. I mean, I think a lot of times when we pick a brand that we want to we want to associate ourselves with, we we want cool shirts. We want comfortable shirts and we also want to like like the people that rock their stuff too um i think about guys that are rocking grayson right now you got sam Ryder, you got jt you got carlos ortiz like lots of really talented golfers guys with a lot of swag and then like my third brand i like to wear uh malbon Uh, a really great story there we were on our golf trip that we do every year this time we had went to The Outer Banks in North Carolina. We're sitting around the clubhouse, got about an hour to kill until we tee off at uh, I think Currituck. What was it? Currituck, not Country Club, but like Currituck's Golf Course. Country Clubs, right? Is it Country a Club? And we're just chilling there, we're having some bevies. And Stephen Malbon, the CEO of Malbon Golfware, straight up rolls off the ninth green. He's making the turn, he's also getting some bevies, and we're like. I look at Colin, I'm like, that's Stephen Malvon, bro. And I'm like, Stephen Malvon, he's like, what's up, guys? So it was a great story for us. Uh, I messaged him. I got married last year. He hooked us up with some merch. Great guy, great golf company. Um, He's really changing the game. Uh, recently recognized in G2 GQ as one of the up and coming disrupting golf
3: brands. Yeah. He really seems like a guy that just kind of, he wants to be out there just having fun. And he's not like he does his golf. He's, he's a solid golfer from everything I can see, but he just, he wants to just be out there having a vibe. He's that I got music play and I got beers flowing and he just, he's embracing really everything that I feel like this podcast stands for in terms of when you're out on the golf course. And I mean, it's definitely something I think we're all looking at.
0: Yeah. We want golf to be more inclusive and more approachable and I don't think anyone would have a problem starting a conversation with Stephen Malbon, so agree. Ledge. <laughs> it's a fucking legend bro. <laughs> he's always he's a legend bro. He's, he's just such a great guy. So uh dub Tully, you guys are rowback guys, right? Hit us up with why.
3: Rowback through and through, baby. I mean, crave activity. Oh, uh, Crave all the activity. They didn't give me the shout out after our boy got a hole in one on the cradle, but you know, I still love him you know, deep down wearing, wearing a hat, wearing a pullover right now. I mean, what, I'll be honest, what what first attracted me to it was I saw their logo. You know, it's that Rhodesian Ridgeback. And it was shocking to Colin, who is, you know, trying to stop his uh, lady from getting a dog currently. But it, it is a dog that, you know, is bred to hunt lions. Jenny, we're
0: going to get you a Rhodesian Ridgeback. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's going to protect you, Jenny. Can we see a video of that dog hunting a lion? I want to see how that works. That doesn't make any sense. Small lion. Oh, okay. Smaller. <laughs> it's just it's just too intimidating. you know. It scares me. Away. It's a little, you know It's like cave- cavemen could do it, then a dog could do it, right? Yeah, but I mean as as, as someone that has two dogs of my own, I, I know Dub has a, a wonderful dog as well. I mean that really helped me, you know, kind of just draw me to it. And they they've just got so wide of a variety of stuff. You know, they, they have those, you know, those complex patterns as uh Ben and uh, Colin were they do, they
0: kinda they're like kind of one of the trailblazers in that like just picking the most off the wall stuff. Throwing a thousand of them on the shirt and printing it, and it's fire.
3: Yeah, and like that's the first. The first shirt I got was their uh, their little foot or whatever it was called, and it's just a bunch of little dinosaurs, like just all over my shirt, and it just makes me so happy. Do you think a
0: Rhodesian Ridgeback could take a raptor down? (laughs) I mean. If
3: it could take a lion. Is, is it could. a pack of Raptors or is it a pack of Rhodesian? What are we dealing with? If here? you can dodge a wrench, you can <laughs> dodge a ball, you know? <laughs> those are very different movies, but all right. <laughs> but you know, they, they really do that kind of divide between. They have all those those complex patterns, but they also have some of that classic stuff that is simple, so you can kind of get that balance in, in your style and your look, which I really enjoy. I don't know. How, how do you feel, Dub?
1: Yeah, I mean, they really draw you in with the whole crave activity, especially with the dog as the logo. So, that, I mean, that's what initially got me in. And then, you know, last summer I got, I get a weekly release of new patterns. And of course, you know, you're having a few bevvies out on the course and you get that email (laughs) and you're like, oh, this, this is fire. I got to buy this right now. So, I mean, that's how I wound up with about 15 polos in my wardrobe or row back. But I mean, they they feel great, especially, you know, in the, in the hot, humid days out here that we're used to playing golf in. I have a couple sweatshirts. I have a couple t-shirts. I mean, they just feel great. Not just on the golf course. I can take it off the golf course and be comfortable no matter what. And so, you know, that's one of the things I really love about them.
0: Dub, you have been known to come off of a, a very intense CrossFit workout having worn one of these polos. How do they perform under
1: intense weightlifting? I mean, they perform at the highest level that you possibly <laughs> can get when you're, you know, lifting weights and doing all that, getting ready for golf season. So, I mean, that, that's why I got to wear them because, you know, not, not much can compete with them when it comes to that kind of thing.
3: Yeah, and they're and they're starting to also work their way into kind of that mainstream. We're getting on the PJ tour, you know, PJ tour wise. They got uh, Wesley Bryan. You know, he's most most commonly and fondly known as the uh, man from uh, last year's Honda Classic that you know was pantsless and crop top in the uh, in the you know, the marshes of Florida, you know, hitting a shot trying to save par there. And he, I, I think they're going to start to infiltrate things. You, they really embrace the whole you know college being able to sponsor people, so they're really infiltrating the young style as well. And I think there's someone to look out for in the future.
0: Yeah, I love that Wesley Bryan kind of connection. Him and his brother run a really successful YouTube channel, I mean, they're great guys. Wesley's an incredibly talented golfer. Um, I think they really align well with that brand. And thank you, Ken, for live updating our uh, our word document that we're all reading off with this yep. it, this it, amazing Talk picture of these of these Rhodesian Ridgebacks taking down a lion.
2: They look like they're gonna lose. Pretty bad. Though.
3: <laughs> I don't know. There's four verse one. I think yeah. they got it. I don't know what their plan is. But. I've seen this happen. They're gonna win. That lion also has... I had a vision, kind of like Ben did, and and the dogs wins. So, Tippy, let's uh, let's throw it over to you. I mean, I know
5: you
4: used to be a big Nike guy. Uh... Talk about what you like to wear when you're out on the course. Oh, yeah. It used to be definitely Nike's on my feet. Uh, Shout out, Mac Miller, RIP. Uh, We've we've kind of moved on. uh, Pretty much, I'm just taking whatever free stuff I can get. It used to be Nike hat, Nike polo, Nike shoes. Now it's really turning into uh, what can I rate at work to get a new polo. Um, We're kind of stepping up our game. So week two, when I kind of described my golf game, as boring. That's going to be my apparel as well. Um, nothing. Nothing's really matching. I, I don't have any of these fancy dinosaur shirts. I don't have lions about to win a fight with a couple dogs coming in. Um,
1: but what I'm really looking forward to is maybe I can learn a couple of things from you guys. Yeah, but you look like a businessman out on the course. You do. Like I would make shoes, a multi-million uh,
0: dollar deal with you on the spot.
1: Yeah, maybe talk to the old boss man about a nice collab with one of these companies so you can get the company logo cool, and these cool. fresh looks going on at the same time.
0: Cooling unit on the back, dog on the front.
1: Yeah, hashtag. Um, we're going to end this episode probably
4: with a hashtag uh, WDCI. Um, for those who don't know, that's World Don't Cool Itself. <laughs> uh, we're what? definitely going to put that on all all merch coming out here soon.
2: What if all the Evapco shirts actually had a cooling unit on them, like built in, like mechanized shirts. We'll work on that.
4: <laughs> I, I, I can't I talk expecting about a, a I, I, I can't it's talk okay, about. Nice. I can't talk about all of our
2: R and D projects. Those are going trade secrets. Ken. Can. You, you, you can't? can't just put a Little put like neck there. fan, little fan on the back.
4: Tyler, there. are we allowed to talk about your shoes? You, you think you're the first one that's talked about the fan on the neck? Oh, I am. R and and D. Hey, that's
0: a secret. Wow. All right. If he tells you, he's got to kill you.
4: Oh, to our fans out there, it's for research and development. We can definitely talk about the shoes. What do you got to say about the shoes? My favorite
0: part about Tyler's wardrobe is that at one point he was indirectly gifted these brand new Foot Joy shoes that were branded for Vapco. And the best part is they were like five years old like they came out of a time machine but they were brand spanking new and beautiful they were the old FootJoy dna's and he's still rocking them and they
4: are just so fire they are the comfiest shoe i've ever worn i, I like i said it. i was nike's my entire life and the second i put these on i was like i'm never taking them i
0: hadn't on. seen a pair in years and they were they were everything five years ago all the tour players were wearing them hadn't seen one and he's bringing them back baby
3: i mean let's not talk about this indirectly you know he was given these shoes his dad, after years and years <laughs> of hard work at this company, yeah. is gifted yeah. these pairs of shoes as a, a retirement gift and because you know Tyler has baby feet and his dad has normal size feet no, 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 know, no, 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 no. he gets given them from his dad and he's like, Oh yeah, they love me there at the big company. Big socks
2: though, big socks. <laughs> yeah, I, but I've gotten an Avapco glove towel yeah, yeah you all talk of, bad about, about golf I mean, merch you guys have gotten a lot
4: in back there. to the shoes i mean uh shout out stevie with them wide feet he couldn't quite squeeze them into these uh <laughs> these five-year-old dna's so uh me with my uh somewhat I mean, it's still a tight fit, but I mean, some somewhat
2: average feet, I'll be able to squeeze them in.
4: So we make it work.
2: Somewhat average feet.
4: I do think that
0: on the topic of shoes, I think it would be, we would be, to our fans, we wouldn't be authentic if we weren't going to mention what are probably our favorite pair of shoes of the big players. And that's when Ken wears his Merrill hiking boots on the golf course.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I have a lot to learn in the fashion department. I'd like to think that I know good fashion, but I just don't buy it. I will say. You Stitch Fix. Yeah, If it doesn't yeah, come in that Stitch
3: Fix box, Ken's not wearing it.
2: I wore hiking shoes for about eight, nine years, probably. And I, I just transitioned two years ago to golf shoes. Um, the game, I guess the game improved probably by a stroke or two. But the, ironically, my lowest score ever, I went. I forgot my shoes when I was golfing with Zippy, and I shot a fucking 88, and it was literally, I had to wear my golf shoes again, like, like for, last year. You
0: never want to wear your golf shoes, but you had to wear, them I, had to
2: wear Mar- I had to wear my No, I had to wear oh, my you back to the thing. roots, baby. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Have you tried those, you know, those little like inserts you can put on the bottom of like any shoe to make them like? Oh, yeah, in. Yeah, those little
2: golf shoes. I have the Nike golf shoes from you know. Like, yeah, but they there don't have spikes. Those are spikeless ones. I think I Ken's never,
0: playing the long I, game when we all have to replace our spikes, and his Merrells last a decade
4: without like yeah. losing their traction. My favorite part of that I story mean, was when Ken can,
3: was
2: saying it that
4: he was wearing his golf shoes, but he really meant his, his
2: Merrells. Yeah. Yeah. His real golf shoes. I know. Shoes. I've been saying golf shoes with. Referring to hiking shoes for a long time. I mean, there's really not a huge difference between hiking shoes and golf shoes. Maybe uh, I, I beg think- to differ. There's much less ankle support in golf shoes. I think a goal of mine Unless is. Unless you're Tony here, Fino. I want to uh, get like five good shirts. Maybe I'll update the. I'll keep an updated uh, segment going on what shirts I'm, I'm starting little to A little more Polka Dot Oakley, perhaps? Polka Dot Oakley. Uh, originally $71, marked down to 21 real $50. $50. <laughs> so
0: we do have a, a pretty close friend of the podcast that's a big Oakley yeah. guy, and he's always wearing that Oakley hat, Oakley sunglasses, Friend shirts. was a
2: strong word. Yes,
0: uh, cl- close contact. <laughs> so, really a
2: terrible shirt.
0: So like <laughs> a couple years ago, we we went on to Oakley to prove how like maybe not, not attractive or up with the trend their shirts were. So we went to the sale rack and had found a shirt that was j- – just awful. Like, <laughs> multicolored polka dots, some bigger, some smaller. Like Ken you never got it. played golf
2: and you decided to buy a shirt <laughs> You look like a horse there. jockey out yeah. there on the he golf did. course. Awful. Ken
0: got it for like 20 bucks and we're on the golf trip and went up to him and was like, look, this is okay. And of course, he like the guy was like, that's fire! Like that is such good fashion. And, and the Ken's one
2: best night, performance that day was you know playing the horse races at the Kino station. The afterwards. one night we went out all night. I fu- I had to wear that fucking Oakley shirt. Oh yeah, you wear
0: it. Yeah. The one like night we go hours. out for like a very long night. We do karaoke. We go Just to a local awful. bar and Ken happens to be wearing that shirt all night.
2: I mean, it- <laughs> I'll stop it there. I'll stop. it. That was. I mean, I. I you know, I'm gonna applaud myself for uh, making a joke out of fashion because sometimes you can't take yourself too seriously. So whatever. Love it. All right, great section guys,
0: great podcast. Money. Thanks everyone for being here. Hope you uh we'll put up a post Honda. here shortly with all of our uh, all of our brands and uh thanks for being here. Honda. Donda. Honda.
4: Honda, Honda. Honda, hey, Yeah, what's the tournament called this week again? Honda. Honda. As as Kanye once said,
1: Honda. the Honda Classic.
4: Honda. Honda. Honda, Honda. Honda. Honda.